Welcome to the Red Words Podcast, where we pursue a personal relationship with God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us weekly as we deep dive into the dynamic and oftentimes curious Holy Spirit-inspired book of God's Word. This week we begin chapter 4 in the prophetic book of Revelation where the disciple John is relaying information from the Lord Jesus Christ about things that are going to occur. Chapter 4, verse 1, begins in a very odd way, as we read here. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Whenever something is repeated in Scripture, God wants the reader to recognize the importance. Twice in verse 1, we are told, after. This word is metatauta in the original Greek and means after these things. But after what exactly? John just completed seven letters to God's church. Therefore, the next prophecy takes place after God's church. All right, but what does that mean? The Greek word church is translated from ecclesia, meaning a called-out congregation. Therefore, God's church is an assembly of believers who are separate somehow. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 explains God's definition of his church. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Okay, so God's church was chosen to be a separate holy people who belong to God, and this group is supposed to proclaim God's excellencies. They are drawn out of some sort of darkness and will be brought into his light. Interestingly, at some point, this holy nation was not a people group, but now they are a people group who belong to God. So who is this holy nation, and how were they formed? The Apostle Paul teaches throughout the New Testament that there are three people groups in the world, Jews, Gentiles, and God's church. The ancient Jews were descended from Abram, later renamed by God to Abraham. He was a Gentile who lived in modern-day Iraq, and he was chosen by God. God formed a covenant with Abraham, and through Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, the nation of Israel was formed. Then Paul describes this new nation, a new assembly that is formed through the combining of both Jews and Gentiles into God's church. They are a new holy nation, one that used to be separated, but is now specially combined into the body of Christ. Then God sets his church his holy nation, apart from the world for his specific purpose. And what purpose would that be? To share the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we know in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Therefore, when God determines that his church and their purpose on earth is complete— God will call his assembly to him. And that's what Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 describes. 
God opens the door to heaven, and in his trumpet voice, he calls his church home. This event is described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. God sends Jesus out from his throne room into the air just below heaven. Jesus shouts loudly, like one of his mighty archangels, and with the trumpet voice of God, those believers, the body of Christ, who died prior to this precise moment in time, rise up and meet Jesus in the air. They rise up with a brand new resurrected body just like Jesus had when he rose from the grave. Once the dead are resurrected, the living believers, those here on earth who make up God's church at this precise moment in time, are caught up in the air with them. They too are provided with new bodies. So what is this event called? In the original Greek text, the word is harpazo, which means forcibly snatched out. The English translators choose to use caught up, which is a much milder explanation of what actually happens. Paul shares more about this event in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Paul further explains the harpazo, clearly defining that this precise moment in time is so fast, it is the twinkling of an eye, not as slow as the blink of an eye. No, this is the twinkling of light that crosses the retina and causes an eye to sparkle. It is faster than words can describe. The Lord Jesus Christ's believers on earth will hear God's voice sound like a trumpet blast, and they will be physically removed from earth. They do not die. Instead, they meet Jesus in the air with bodies that are forever changed, and they live with him forever. There is another less obvious confirmation of this event in the Bible. God's church is mentioned 19 times in the first three chapters of Revelation. However, in chapter 4 and throughout the remainder of the book, God's church is never mentioned again. This strongly indicates that God's church is physically removed from earth before the remaining prophecies begin. Okay, so where does God's church go? The end of verse 1 along with verses 2 and 3, provide the answer when God says to John, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Now remember, John is on the Greek island of Patmos when he is visited by the Lord Jesus Christ in a vision. God spiritually calls John up to heaven through the open door and into his throne room to reveal what must happen after these things. John tells the reader what he saw. 
Since God the Father cannot be seen by man, John describes him as various forms of colorful light. Now, if we go back to Peter's definition of God's church, we see that God calls his holy assembly out from a world that is rife with darkness and into his presence of brilliant light in his heavenly throne room. Additionally, being swept away into an unfamiliar and intimidating place must have been quite uncomfortable for John. But God welcomes him into his throne room by showing John a familiar symbol, one that all of humanity would recognize, God's brilliant rainbow, his promise to Noah after the flood. John continues to describe what he sees in verses 4 and 5. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lampstands were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. John recognizes more familiar things in God's massively large throne room. The place is filled with sounds, people, and the seven golden lampstands from the seven churches. Wow! The seven golden lampstands have been removed from earth and transported into heaven. This is yet another confirmation of the prophetic snatching away of God's church from earth because the lampstands represent the Lord Jesus Christ's church leaders and their congregations. So who are these 24 elders? There's only one other place in the Bible that describes 24 specific men joined into a group. We read about them in 1 Chronicles chapter 24, verses 5 through 19. To paraphrase, King David separated the Levitical priests into 24 rotational courses. Each man served in the temple for one week and then rotated out. These men were elders of God's ancient temple, God's ancient church. The 24 men in Revelation are also elders, but they are from God's modern church assembly, the holy nation, combined church, made up of Jews and Gentiles. Furthermore, John would recognize these elders as representatives of God's modern church because they wear the Lord Jesus Christ's white robes of righteousness, which the Lord promised to his faithful ones. Plus, these elders wear the overcomers' crowns of gold, which were given to them by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. These elders are the Lord Jesus Christ's chosen believers. Here are verses 6 through 11. Before the throne there was a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, 
You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Who were these four living creatures? Many scholars believe these four living creatures represent the Lord Jesus Christ as he is depicted in the four Gospels. Matthew presents Jesus as a lion, the mightiest creature on earth, and one of Jesus' many names is the Lion of Judah. Mark presents Jesus as the suffering servant, the same way oxen have suffered in their service to mankind. Luke presents Jesus as the Son of Man, Adam's descendant. Also, that man is God's highest creation, having been made in his image. And finally, John presents the Lord Jesus like an eagle, the son of the Most High God, for eagles fly higher than any other bird. We first learn about these specific mighty angels in Genesis when God blocked the entry into the Garden of Eden after the fall of Adam and Eve. God set a single blazing angel, a cherub or a seraph. Their plural names are cherubim and seraphim, armed with a sword to guard the entrance so that no one could enter and eat from the tree of life. These angels are of the highest order of angelic beings, and they attend God constantly. Additionally, we read about cherubim in the prophetic book of Ezekiel, chapters 1 and 10, where the prophet Ezekiel had a vision of the throne room of God very similar to the vision John is experiencing. Interestingly, it is Ezekiel who tells us about Satan when he was known as Lucifer, one of God's closest cherubim who attended him around his throne. Then Lucifer became pride-filled and egocentric and told God that he would be above God someday. God threw Lucifer out of heaven, and on his way out he took one-third of the angels with him. They are known as the fallen angels— and Jesus Christ renamed Lucifer Satan. He is the one who deceived the original couple, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden as a serpent. So these specific four living creatures have six wings, which means they are seraphim, whereas cherubim only have four wings, and cherubim have four faces that depict a lion, ox, man, and eagle. Both species of angel cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And chapter 4 concludes with the elders proclaiming, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. This is an interesting reminder that the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power given to him by his Father, created everything. And it is by God's will that all of creation and all things, including plants, mammals, fish, birds, all creeping things, stars, galaxies, and angels are allowed to exist. Keep that in mind as we go forward into chapter 5. And so, dear friends, take heed of the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God today as you seek a deeper personal relationship with Him. Thank you for joining me, and know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you very much. And so do we. Until next week, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and Amen.